Sound of snow. We are addicted out of the forest. I still consider that the forest is my favorite. A lot of sound. A lot of sound. Land Ecologia For me, it seems that, uh, and it's my creative language, mm. Finnish. So English is more like, oh, help me, God. Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult. Yeah. This picture was taken in our home. Auti was not born yet. That's me in the middle. I think I'm about five years old. And there are also my three-year-old little sisters. The photo was taken around 1967, which means that the following year, the construction of the hydropower plant began. So here's the Kemioki River in the summer, at a time when the river had a very slow current. And in the picture you can see the riverbed, in many places that were important to us. Back then, every day was a sunny summer day. We were surrounded by the countless playgrounds, by the river, and in the forests, in the cowshed, and everywhere around us. You can still see it in this picture. The Kemioki River in its natural state. That was many decades ago. Should I count how many years it's been since this photo was taken? It must be almost... Yes, almost 60 years. The water has shaped us. It's such a diverse area, like a mosaic. There are spawning grounds and rock outcrops where the weight of the ice has pressed down the stones, forming a tight outcrop.
The environment there is very diverse. There are small ecological niches which contain rare plants. And the most astonishing creature I ever saw as a child, just below the rapids, at the mouth of the rivulet, was the freshwater pearl mussel. That big thing made an everlasting impression on me for sure. There they lounged in the sandy riverbed. My name is Kaisa Keratar. I come from Vantaskoski. My name is Outi Autti. Uh, uh, I'm a sociologist and I work at the uh, University of Oulu. And I'm Kaisa's little sister, actually. Well, I think they knew, but uh, they just didn't care. My name is Riku Paavola, and I'm the station manager of Oulanka Research Station, which is a unit of the University of Oulu, located in uh, northeastern Finland, in Kuusamo. My own research background is freshwater ecology. That's where I did my master's and PhD. There wasn't enough value placed on those fish stocks and populations. For example, the biggest dam in Finland on Kemioki. It's uh, It was constructed very close to the mouth of the river, blocking the entire river straight away, and thus destroying apparently the, the best salmon river in Europe. But the emphasis back then in the 50s was on paying um, debts from the Second World War. And so minor things like fish populations didn't really uh, count so much. Let me get this out straight away. Hydropower is not green power by any means. And that's supported by science and the results. First of all, when you build a dam in a river, it blocks movement of fish and other organisms, um, especially salmon, eels, but basically any movement is going to be blocked or hindered by the construction of the dam. So that's the obvious thing that it does, but there's a, a multitude of other really adverse effects on the ecosystem. You create a reservoir upstream, which obviously destroys completely the original stream habitat. It no longer exists. But not only that, it also destroys um, basically anything that gets under the reservoir. So if there's forests or wetlands, they're gone. And uh, this effect is especially bad in, in areas where topographical variability is not that high. In, well, basically flatlands, because then the reservoir will be very large in surface area, which means that a lot of habitats will be destroyed under the reservoir.
Uh, I started my research in 2009 and well first they wanted to help a young student as they said and they wanted to help a girl uh, from their neighborhood and um, <coughs> some of the older people were very lonely so they were really happy to talk to anyone and really happy that someone was listening to them and um, they were also very happy to share their stories and they felt that they hadn't been heard before yeah I feel they were really happy that their uh, losses were recognized in the end what, when did you decide to um, research your, your research around Kemi and what happened what made you want to do that? Mm. Yeah, well, that's a very good question and actually a really difficult one. Because somehow I feel that um, I didn't really decide to research it. And it was more a way to deal with it and to get answers. Um, to the questions that I didn't even know how to verbalize at the time. Jollain tapaa tähän aiheeseen oli helpompi käydä tieteellisenä tutkimuksena. On some level it was easier to address this subject as scientific research. Then I was able to better protect my own experience of it and guard it. That way I didn't have to confront it, like, with my heart and soul exposed. But I could rely on the framework provided by the scientific research and from there try to understand how my family had experienced it. Yesterday we were at a river that doesn't have salmon yeah. anymore. Can you imagine this river without salmon? No. And why? Why is that? Uh, I, I, I know the history of the other river, which was the best salmon river in, in Finland or in, I think that in northern Scandinavia, whole Scandinavia, and uh, because I have been living all time, we have had all those fishes, and because mm. it's a very big. Big disappointment or feelings if there is no salmon. And, and uh, of course, there has been seasons also in this river later, later, but there has been very few for the 90s. And uh, but there was there was done in, in the sea and in the river actions to get it back. 
now we have a very good very good uh, rate of uh, salmons and, and uh, we can fish everybody can fish some somehow not not all the time we don't need it but we can need some some fishing and some feeling to get the feeling that there is still still king of the salmon is the king of the river and king of the sea as well in, in these these areas and uh, but it's for us it's more better to get the salmon than to have it because we don't need it to eat <laughs> we have uh, enough enough to eat but, but to get the salmon is a special thing special feeling It is heavy, when it's big like that, and it is, it is there, uh, seven, eight meters from you. And when it comes close to the, to the, this, 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 this how it's called in English, when it goes inside there, it starts to, to, to jump like that. And when you are keeping the, the equipment, it feels like, it feels like like you are you are an, 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 some kind of an ancient human being from from far away, and I, I feel it like I feel it, it goes to every every uh, cell in the body somehow. The feeling. They are very very kind of uh, innocent looking at and and. and Innocent. When you have salmon there, it's 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 something which 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 is as a personality very very mild and touching and innocent. And eyes eyes like like the eyes of a child. And and often often I I look at the eyes as something very very touching. Difficult. It's 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 really difficult to imagine without without uh, without fighters and without someone. I can't. Yeah, the symbol symbol is is uh, is uh, something which is uh, it's 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 very important. It's 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 something difficult to describe because it's so important. Something which is kind of a symbol of the life, symbol of the living, symbol of the, of the, of the society living. Sillähän on sillä lailla, sillä lailla, tämmöinen... Kyllä aina, mutta maailmasta, maailmasta vähemmän kuin hän
Niin, joidenkin ihmisten oli vaikea puhua niistä omista menetyksistään, koska se ei niinku kuulu oikein. Niinku. For some people, it was hard to talk about their own personal losses, as it's simply not what people do back where we come from. We don't complain about things. You just have to endure everything. And you can't even admit if there's something that makes you feel bad. You just need to work hard and move on. So... When they couldn't talk about their losses, then some people could talk about the salmon. So that they could talk about what was happening from the salmon's perspective. How it must have been awful for the salmon when they could no longer swim up their home river. And how they could no longer access natural waters. It was easier to talk about that. At the time when the river was harnessed, or even after the river was harnessed. Money and economy came first, and getting by. So considering the circumstances and the prevailing rhetorics, it would have been completely out of place to express how bad you felt, about how drastically the landscape had changed. Such arguments were laughed at and dismissed as unimportant. In families, it was often the wives who noticed how crestfallen their husbands were, and everyone knew what caused it. Let me tell you a story about the Kemioki River and how things went in my family back in the day. My great-grandfather, Korkia Haiki, was a salmon fisherman in Vantaus, as was his son. That's what my father would have been too, if the salmon had not run out from the Kemioki River. During wartime, Korkia Haiki was already a veteran and he no longer participated in any military action but stayed home. As he was an elderly man already and had also become seriously ill, the villagers assumed it wouldn't be long before Korkia Haiki passed away. So when they paid him a visit, Korkia Haiki exclaimed, What? I'm not going to die just yet. Not until the river floods. That's what he said to them. Whenever my father told me this story, he never stopped marvelling at how things eventually turned out. In May, when the villagers carried my great-grandfather's coffin to the other side of the river for burial, the flood was terribly high. He knew how he would leave. But the story doesn't end there. Ten years ago in Vantaus, 
It was last spring that my father was still alive. We would call each other quite often. We used to exchange observations whether either one of us had spotted any wood grouse and in which rivers the flood was on the rise, and especially what the flood situation would be like in the Kemioki River. The last time I called him that May, I was on my way up the Tornioki River. I told him that the water was rising there. My father knew that soon the water would start rising in the Kemioki River too. And what do you know? My father, that old rascal, passed away precisely at the time when the flood was at its highest in the Kemioki River. Yes, on a day like that. For me, a water biologist, it really struck me. I couldn't believe it. But he had done exactly the same thing. So I checked from the Environment Institute the water levels. The minute the flood turned and the water started to recede, that was my father's exact time of death. The dam also has effects on water chemistry, many kinds. Typically, oxygen levels drop because of the reservoir. Water is usually colder coming out of the reservoir, and these may have a lot of impacts downstream um, on the biota that tries to live in the river. Now, obviously, the, the flow regime will be completely different. It's going to be regulated and that may have a lot of uh, significant impacts on, on the, uh, the biota living downstream. Um, and there's also the accumulation of uh, both organic and inorganic kind of particulate matter in the reservoir. And that may create a lot of problems. And then um, just the construction of the dam itself, it's basically concrete and steel. So there's the um, environmental impact that's created by those materials in the construction of the dam, including uh, these GHG gas kind of um, um, productions. Plus the fact that when you kind of flood the area upstream under the reservoir, um, what you get is a lot of organic material starting to decay and these produce CO2 and methane, so the significant uh, greenhouse gas emissions for a long time coming out of that reservoir. Turbine blades will cut up fish and other animals that end up there and obviously they produce a lot of uh, noise, sound under the water. Not much is known about that apparently, but it's pretty clear that
So just as a contrast, this is a, a double mid-side recording uh, on the surface, the ice surface of the frozen river, directly above where the hydrophones were and the ice holes for the underwater recording, just as a contrast between the loudness underwater and the relative quietness above the water, although of course we're by the, the road and the bridge near the power station. After the power station came, so it was plain water, shed, and um, the concrete building, and the dam was built of uh, boulders, and so rough and grey. Maisemassa tapahtui kyllä kans ihan valtavia muutoksia. No, the way I see it, the landscape did indeed change enormously. First of all, the damming of a free-flowing river and turning it into static pools. There were so many places that disappeared underwater, like islands, shores, and even entire traditional village sites here and there. Below the dam there were dry reaches that could be several kilometres long, with no water at all. These areas soon were filled with brushwood and thickets, looking awful. And obviously the power station constructions themselves. The dams were gigantic, grey blocks of concrete. And also the actual network of high-voltage transmission lines, they were massive, long structures, which swallowed up the beautiful rural river landscapes. There's never been any effort to rehabilitate the landscape. They still look absolutely awful stay when the, after the river was dammed. Do you mean that uh, uh, they stayed living there? Uh, I think in our village there, there wasn't was there any village? village? Not in our village. For example in the next village there were buildings that were torn down. Yeah. 
As far as I know in our village, nobody who lived downstream had to move away because of the dam. That was more common around the artificial lake areas further up north. Yes, some areas were washed over, and some people who lived there were forced to build a new home. That's how it went. And some people probably moved to Ravenyumi. And of course, when the dam was being constructed, it was a time when society was undergoing a major structural change overall. There were many who went to Sweden. That's how it was. And to cities in southern Finland. Through the mechanization of agriculture and forestry, there were not many jobs available anymore. As unemployment increased, people moved. Yeah, I have made uh, <coughs> three interviews uh, among the same persons or, or their children that I interviewed earlier. What was it like? Oh, it was like coming home, actually. <laughs> Yeah, there were many, but now that you mention, I remember especially one. Um, uh, I think um, it was the first time ever he um, talked about his losses and the change in the environment and how it had um, affected him. And that was really heartbreaking, actually. And um, he was saying that uh, his heart is aching. It's a bit difficult to translate his words. But... Um, <clears throat> Even after 70 years, he still could remember the free river as it was, and, and he was still longing for it, and, and the damned river that uh, he saw uh, every day, uh, daily reminded him of his losses. So I think he was deeply traumatized. Uh, he was very into fishing, uh, but it was not only only the fishing. It was the um, uh, element of running water, the sounds of running water, and the smells of running water. Mm. 
many interviewees uh, told me that uh, when the river was dumped, uh, they um, the, the soundscape changed very much. There was no sound of the rapids anymore. It was just silence, and that was something that was really difficult for someone to get used to. And many people told me that they couldn't get sleep. And uh, one even told me that uh, he felt it was difficult to walk in the garden uh, without that sound as, as a support. So he said that it felt like I had to uh, learn how to walk all over again. Siellä on sellaisia, jotka niin hyvin innokkaasti kertoo jostain muista muistoista, niin vaikka savottotöistä tai uittotöistä tai vaikka lohenkalastuksesta. Some of the interviewees were eager to share other kinds of memories, like working at a logging site or floating logs or salmon fishing. But when I brought up the changes in the river, they closed up and went quiet. We then tried to go back to the subjects they were more comfortable with, or then they diverted the discussion to something else altogether, and they simply didn't want to talk about it. Because the change in the river uh, hastened the change in the community and the society, so um, and the change was so rapid, so it was difficult for many to adjust to that change. But yes, in many cases, they'd simply gone elsewhere. That's what happened in our family too. We turned to places of comfort. Our father found new fishing grounds on Lake Semiyavi, 
For him, it was a place to keep himself busy. And he also built our cabin there. So that's how he turned his back to the river and focused on areas where there were still waters in their natural state and where he could fish. Processing these things in our trees, mm. yeah, and right. together with Odi and other sisters, we are many times we are talking about what we have experienced in our dreams, and we all we tend to uh, go to our home village and to the river in our dreams. Somehow, we, we, we are still in a connection to the river. It is really important. I'm very happy to have these memories in the sounds of the river. And all the experiences I managed to gain by the time I was seven years old. They're still very vivid memories. And often in my dreams, I'm still there. On the shore of the free-flowing Kemioki River. So in that sense, it still exists within me, even today. that I have of the river 
other, oh, what are they called? Excavators and is it the dumper? So we were following <coughs> their work. So that's my earliest memory of the river. Kun mä en ole nähnyt vapaata jokea, enkä mä en niin tiennyt oikeastaan kummemmasta, niin siihen tottu. Että... I'd never seen the river running free, so I didn't know any better. So I'd grown used to it, and that's just the way it is. But now that I've learned what it used to be like, and heard so many stories of what the river was like and how it's changed and how people experienced it. Nowadays when I come to Fantoskoski and cross the dam bridge, I feel terribly sad, even anxious. And I try to listen carefully to my body and how it reacts to the river and how majestic the wide river is as it comes into view from behind Cape Oselonomi. You can feel the immense power of the river. I can sense its power. And then it runs into the dam and it's Somehow it's like it loses its power or it becomes enchained. Yes, enchained, that's the word. And when I see it like that, enchained, it makes me feel terribly sad. And now that I think of it, now that we're talking about it, it's dawning on me that it's probably the underlying reason for my overwhelming desire for freedom. Freedom is such a valuable thing for me. And I don't think I've even realized how closely it relates to the river. I can then feel it in my heart and my body.
No jollain lailla sitä on niin kiinni siinä ympäristössä, että se kun, niin kun luontoa käytetään hyväksi, niin se tuntuu vähän kuin sua itseäkin käytettäisiin hyväksi. It's like um, exploding yourself, you're so connected to the nature, so... you harm the environment then I feel that I feel that um, my body is harmed at the same time. Ihan tota, hän eli varmaan viimeisiä vuosiaan silloin, niin... I have a story about my father I want to share. I think it was during the last years of his life. He knew about my research. He was already ill and he didn't leave home much. He could no longer visit the woodlands and not much elsewhere either. He said... That in his mind he's always walking down the hill from Kivalo, down to the river. And in his mind the river is always free. No narratiivien kautta äh, ihmiset niin kuin, pääsee kertomaan sen. It's through narratives that people have a chance to tell their story. Exactly the way they have experienced it. Vaikka siihen niin kuin, kietoutuukin paljon myös niin tämmöisiä. Even though it's often intertwined with a lot of collective ingredients. Niin, niin se on, äh, ihmisen kertoma tarina on... So when a person tells a story, it's like making amends with one's past. People have an inherent need to impart a story that forms a whole. And usually, it's a bit like a survival story. And when you have a chance to reflect upon your past through a story, which may deal with a difficult incident in your life, for instance. It's also a way to make you feel whole again. <laughs> 